Hi, and welcome to News Out of Lockdown. If you've been following the news here at Belrig FM, you might notice that this is a slight continuation of the News in Lockdown podcast, which I released back in May. I have to say, though, it's much nicer this time around when people are able to go back out into the world a little bit after months of being confined to the house. This podcast contains four interviews with people who've been involved in interesting university and local news over the summer months, from the end of May till now. It's not quite September yet, so why not enjoy the rest of the British sunshine and remember all the fun things that have been going on in and around Lancaster. We have interviews with two winners of the Student Media Awards, held back in June, as well as with a Preston-based singer, Georgia Tui, who released her debut single, Sunday Bliss, over the summer, and our head of sport, David, has been talking to an organiser of eFounders. But first, Covid may have halted and changed a lot of aspects of our lives, but for writer and Lancaster University student Joe Bedford, it also inspired his short film Snap. The film follows the lives of a man and a woman, played by students Kat and Lewis, and their rather eventful Zoom calls. I spoke to Joe, Kat and Lewis to find out more. Just a quick warning, this interview contains some mild spoilers, so if you want to go watch the film first, click the links in the description below. Hi, I'm Lucy from Bailerig FM. I'm here with Kat, Lewis and Joe from Snap. I guess my first question is for Joe as the writer. For people who haven't seen it yet, could you give a quick summary? Uh, essentially, it's about two colleagues who've been furloughed um, and they, they find themselves in lockdown directly after a one night stand. So that whole bit of like an emerging relationship or a budding romance has to be moved onto Zoom. And the film is a kind of what if, like what if you hooked up with someone and then that that next stage, that getting to know you stage, was having to be done in two separate places. And essentially, you can guess how well that goes. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that I think I found the most striking was that, like, usually when you spend so much time with someone in one place, it can sometimes drive you a bit mad. But it was like almost like they were in separate houses and they seemed to drive each other a bit mad at times. Like, what was that? What was the kind of thinking behind that? Well, I think, um, although I wrote it quite early into um, lockdown, what I've felt myself since then of having like Zoom meetings and Teams meetings and trying to um, communicate effectively in this like new way of life is that people can drive you mad from any imaginable distance. That's what I've learned. And I think people who've watched it have related to that because we all, we're all getting that Zoom fatigue, if you know what I mean. But the problems don't go away when you turn your camera off. And every, every um, miscommunication that you can suffer in the real world, it's just as easy and often worse when you're communicating online. So I think that a part of that was, it, uh, was in my mind. So I think that's probably one of the drives for the story and and it's certainly something which uh cat and lewis nailed in their performances it's something i think they got straight away cat and lewis when was it that you first got involved and what was your initial reaction to the script um well joe joe had sent it to me before it was even gonna be something that we were gonna make um it was just i wrote this thing can you read it and i remember finding it really funny but also reading it it had so much potential to be brought to life because it was just so like realistically awkward but funny and endearing and the characters even though the scenes are so short and on a page it's even shorter like because there's no awkward like pauses or anything they still had 
so much character and stuff so I was really excited by it so when Joe was like what about we try and make it and we we're like whoa that's exciting and that's when I asked Lewis if he'd want to read it yeah well Kat messaged me about it saying because obviously Joe had seen um me and Kat in another production dealer's choice where we had quite a funny um friend relationship so Joe had obviously seen us in that and then I got sent the script and I just thought it was brilliant it was hilarious and I think you can just really put yourself into both characters. It's weird saying that considering we played them and we are them, but it's even when you're reading it, you can just see yourself in the characters so much and the little like things they do and the things they find annoying about each other just really stuck out to me. And what were your favourite things about playing each of the characters? I think for me, because <laughs> with, with Man, I feel like he does things without really thinking about it. Like he does things that he thinks is really cool and then it just doesn't come across like that at all. Like he's just a bit, I think it's just really like endearing about him. I joke about this all the time that I didn't really have to do much acting <laughs> in this film because I just had to react to what Lewis was doing because he was being a goofball the whole time. And I was just kind of the the dry one, I guess, the, the, the sarcastic one. But um, my favourite thing about the character um, is I think she might crack earlier on the Lewis's one does and then she's just like holding on I'm, I, I did try and think about why maybe she would be doing that try and do a back, bit of backstory but she's just she's I don't know what's the best thing about her the best thing about her was just watching Lewis being an idiot really and being able to laugh at him <laughs> <laughs> it definitely wasn't the art I didn't enjoy that so much having to, did you have to draw that the the second one I most definitely did make um because it's rubbish <laughs> um, and actually Lewis was on the call when I was making that piece of artwork and I was just scribbling on a page and cutting random bits off like is this any good like what was um, because little uh, bit of secret there that bit isn't in the script Joe just wrote like something like what did you say just ramble on about art for a bit in a really abstract way and then I had to just say a load of rubbish and <laughs> I did um, but the first piece of art was not me. I was a disclaimer. That wasn't, I did not make that. <laughs> I think one of the things that I was most curious about when I was watching it was like, how on earth did you manage to sort of put all the different clips together to kind of show the different calls as lockdown progresses? Like, how did that work? Uh, Joe? <laughs> um, it worked painstakingly slowly is how it worked. Um, essentially, I think this is useful to share because because it's something anyone can do. Um, we had a setup in which Kat and Lewis called each other on Zoom. And then obviously on Zoom, you can record your meetings. So they essentially recorded uh, their takes and sent them to me. So I had two sets of footage, one in gallery view and one in speaker view. And I, I would then pick from those takes the moments that I think were funniest that worked best and then it was just a case of chopping the scenes together and choosing which which angle works for which joke and which line comes alive when do you need to see both of them when is it better to see one of them but essentially it was just a it was just a process of going through hours of Cat and Lewis messing around and trying to find workable tape. <laughs> that is how. It works. Uh, 
Not yeah. even an exaggeration. <laughs> it's like a lot of times we'd, <laughs> we'd run it like three times. And then we'd finish and we'd do it again. A question to all of you then. Um, what was your favourite scene and why? Oh yeah, difficult, difficult. On balance, the three scenes that basically make up the centre of the piece are my favourite. And that is the scene in which um, the two decide to turn to booze. Because that is something that I think is like a turning point for people. It's that point in which, oh, we've had so much fun doing Zoom quizzes and meetups with our friends. Why not enhance that with something we do in everyday life, which is, oh, you know, we go to the pub. Let's have a tipple. And I think the introduction of that into midday banter is like dynamite. Yeah, I love that bit. Other than that, I really like the cake scene. I think the cake scene mm-hmm. is really yeah. funny because, <laughs> like, there's just so much to play with with that. Because, like, obviously with fire, you don't know how that's going to go. So, like, <laughs> I plan to light that candle and it stay on the whole time. But then it went off about four times. I think that just kept adding to, like, the <laughs> comedy and, like, how fed up I was with the whole situation. Yeah, I think that's, like that scene epitomizes like how the film had growth once we started filming it and how like as we got it off the page and started doing things more bits of humor more bits of awkward things were happening just because this was over zoom and um just that moment where the candle goes out and lewis looks down at it like of course of course the candle has gone out it was so hard for me not to laugh um i was gonna say that scene as well i think for me i probably when people say what's your favorite scene it's either there's two different ones like what's your favorite one to film what was your favourite one to watch? Because, like, I think that's different for for me. The cake, the cake one is hilarious because I know in the back of my head we were both really scared. We're like, we've got one take of this, really, because he's got one cake, and if this goes wrong... <laughs> um, but And then he's just sitting there with all of the, the cake all over his face, and, like, probably, like, 30 seconds or something after what you see in the film is just me sitting laughing and crying I had actual tears looking at Lewis <laughs> sitting there with all his cake and we're like it's in the blooper room actually I think but I've just gone on about how like actually tragic it was because my character leaves the the camera so you can't see her and it's just him sitting there with this cake and I'm you can't see me but I'm on my bed like cr- crying with laughter because it is so funny but so tragic um I think another th- bit that I liked filming was when Lewis does an impression of me and um, uh, we're both wearing yellow he puts the glasses on and he does a very exaggerated southern accent because it took Lewis quite a while shall we say to be ready to film that scene because <laughs> he just couldn't do it he kept I just, yeah I found that scene so difficult to film I think <laughs> that's probably the only moment where cat started to get a bit wound up when we were filming because like we'd go to start and then i'd be like oh no that's rubbish and then cat be like come on Louise, you can do it and there was a couple of moments where our characters kind of bled into us like that scene there's a scene where cat has to say the word quinoa 20 minutes cat <laughs> how to say the word quinoa and i was there like oh my gosh i'm gonna quit in like 10 seconds and that's when our characters really start we bled into us because we were getting a bit wound up with each other I believe you're all doing subjects kind of relating to either writing or theatre. Have you got anything else in the works to do with writing or acting or both at the moment or any plans for anything in the future? Yes, I mean, uh, I'm a creative writing student, so I'll be uh, on my master's, so I'll be graduating in, uh, I'll be finishing in September. 
part of my MA is to submit a portfolio, which is 30,000 words of a novel. So I've nearly finished that. You know, as a writer, it can be hard because it's such a solitary pursuit. And often you can spend months and months on one project and then it ends up that only your friends and family see it. And that's part of the nature of the of the work. Other times you can have great successes. But for me, the film has been a massive boost because it's it's a great feeling to have a message come into your inbox of someone who has seen your work independently of you forcing them to see it. Yeah, I think that's something we've all experienced, actually, in the last week or so of it being published. Like so many people messaging us, so many people, I mean, like you, like they getting involved, um, the university departments that we're part of all getting involved, even the BBC radio with Joe. So it's just all a bit crazy because it is fundamentally, it's just me and Lewis messing around in our, in our rooms. Um, and that's what I see when I watch it, but no, it is really well written and we're very lucky that Joe has let us make it a thing. I feel very humbled by that. I don't know how you feel Lewis. Yeah, no, the, just like YouTube said so well, it's just crazy the people who watch it. Like my old drama teacher from high school, like Bob me a message saying, "Oh, I've just seen you in this." And I was like, "What? That's crazy! How have you seen that?" It's just it's just so nice because I think especially for creatives, if you would, it's hard during lockdown to not be doing stuff. So I think it was such a good thing to just put all my daft energy into because it was just so nice. It was really good. What do you think would happen to the characters at the end after? The camera stopped calling, I guess. Oh. Well. <laughs> <laughs> we have to go back to work and I just envision like a, we both go to the break room or the, the kitchen at the same time or something. Or no, we're in like a board meeting. I don't know where we work, but I imagine it being an office, like a really high paced office or something. And we're both having to be very serious. But we're sitting opposite each other in a boardroom at a very serious meeting. But we both still hate each other or whatever. I, don't, I, I can see that playing out. Yeah, and I think it'd be very much like everyone else at the office would be like, so is there something between you two? We'd be like, no, nothing, no, nothing. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, we just kind of pretend. Absolutely not. Never speak of it ever again. No, yeah, but, never. And then I imagine in like 20 years time, Lewis's character has like a midlife crisis and becomes a clown and just like mm. runs off to a circus or something. To Moscow. Yeah, I think that's the life I'd want for him, to run off to the circus. I think that's enough. <laughs> I can see it for him. Well, um, thank you very much for all coming on and uh, I wish you luck with the rest of your projects and anything else that you work on in the future and your studies as well. Thank you very much. Cheers for having us. Thanks for coming on. That was students Joe, Kat and Lewis talking about Snap. Like I said before the interview, there's links to the film and the blooper reel below, so why not go give it a watch after this podcast? Now, back in June, the Students' Union hosted the Student Media Awards. For those involved in media at the university, this is an exciting time and a great opportunity to celebrate the hard work of student journalists over the past year. Two winners of these awards were first-year students Quinn Pitcher, who won Best Newcomer into Student Media, and Beth Train-Brown, who won Best Multimedia Journalist. I spoke to Quinn and Beth shortly after the awards to find out more about the work they've been doing, what their plans are for the future, and what these awards mean to them. So you're both clearly really involved in student media at the university, and are both still only in your first year, or have just finished first year. When was it that you first got involved in student media and what was it that made you want to do this? I'll start with Beth. So uh, my dad's into journalism a lot. He's a long, long, long time journalist. He's actually just coming in now, even though I've told him not to. Hi, Dad. So he was a gossip columnist for 
20 years, 40, 40 years at the Lincolnshire Echo, and 57 years at what again? In newspapers. Okay. I love that you know that off the top of your head. I can barely remember my own age. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Dad's obviously been in um, journalism for a long time. And it's just kind of like something I always found so interesting. You what? And local radio, of course. I could fuck that. Um, yeah, so I think it was hearing all the stories they told about it. Obviously, he was in World's Fair as well. So he's had experience with circuses and fairgrounds. But yeah, and he just has so many cool contacts. So we'll be watching telly or something and he'll point at a character on the screen and be like, I interviewed him once, nice bloke. And I just thought that was so cool. I really wanted that. So I got into the Student Media Summit and I don't know, I originally only wanted to go into Scan. I did not like the idea of going into radio at all because I hate the sound of my own voice. But I don't know, it just kind of like, it all kind of happened at once and then suddenly I'd signed up for way too many than I had time for and just kept it going. And that's kind of where I am today. And Quinn? So... I did some stuff with the radio station back in my hometown, so um, I had a bit of experience in that kind of area before I came here. I was one of those people who, before coming to uni, like looked at all the societies and was like, which ones do I want to join and stuff? And ever since I like knew that Bailrig existed, I was like, right, I'm doing that. And I don't know, I just, I really like student media in general. I think it's such a really good thing to have as a part of a university experience. I think, like, with radio in particular, there's just so much you can do with it. I also do really like writing. I've written a few things to scan. I've wanted to be a writer for most of my life, so that's another thing. I just like making things. I think that's the main thing. I just like to make stuff. So what sort of stuff have you been doing over the past year, and what are you working on at the moment? So I started off doing stuff with Bailrig. I started my first show, Spicy, in November, and that was, like, her show where I basically interviewed everyday people about their lives and I don't know, I just thought it was interesting to discuss people. Um, and then I ended up doing two other shows, one of which was a music show about K-pop because I'm a K-pop fan. Um, and then he also did one with RX station manager Tom Lingard. And he was called Welcome to the Week and he just did like a chat show type thing about welcoming people to the week. And he was meant to be optimistic. And throughout that, I've also done a few things with Scan. Um, I've written a few theatre reviews as a theatre student. And I also did something for the comment section and then at some point I became content manager, so now I run a team. What have I been doing? I have been writing for Scan. I've been kind of like building up how many articles I get into each paper. Um, and I've got a goal for the first one back to get an article into every single section. I think it can be done. That's something as well. I, I recently got comment editor. I've been writing for the tab, her campus. I'm also social media officer for her campus now. I've been, oh yeah, I've been working on a new podcast series. I'm not really sure on a name yet, but I'll be interviewing just kind of interesting people. So yeah, been quite cool. Quinn, you were nominated for Best Cultural Content as well for your show K-Bops. What's that all about and kind of like, what does that involve? It's basically a show dedicated to K-Bops. If that was obvious, I, uh, I actually am quite meticulous about it. I make a playlist every week of nine songs. And I just kind of discuss the music and like like what it means or like what it sounds like or what it I associate it with and stuff. I was actually quite surprised when it got nominated. And I know this is quite a weird thing to say, but I'm glad I didn't get it. Because I think that as a white person who is not from Korea, I shouldn't really be credited for cultural content when I'm discussing a culture that isn't mine. But I'm grateful for the nomination anyway, because it's nice to know that at least someone doesn't think my k-pop show is weird so um you also do a show called spicy 
where you interview normal people as if they were celebrities. Who's the most interesting or entertaining guest or guests that you've had? Um, My favourite show will probably always be the first one I did with Angus, our ex-PR manager, just because it was the first one. And it was like my first experience into this station in particular. And um, I don't know, I remember it being a good show, although maybe if I listen to it back, I will find out it wasn't a good show. As far as interesting goes, I once had two people on at once, which uh, wasn't the best idea, but I was at like a house party type thing with Ollie Chris, head of podcasting, and he was like, hey, can me and Theo come on? So he and Theo, our now station manager, both came on at the same time and they absolutely derailed it and talked about trains. (laughs) Um, If that's what they wanted to do, then that's what they wanted to do. Beth, you were also nominated for Best Interview. What was this interview about? I believe it was called Engineer by Day, Model by Night. Okay, so I was interviewing Shannon Ashby, who is a friend of mine from back home. She's a full-time engineer with WEFCO. So she designs pressure tanks and big fuel containers. I think it's really cool. And she's also a model on uh, weekends. And she does absolutely fantastic pictures. So I was just interviewing her about sort of like that dynamic. And Interestingly enough, I've also got into modelling with her since I've been back home, which has been really fun. And I've also got chatting to um, the editor of a model and fashion magazine and a photography magazine in Lincoln. It's a national magazine, though, who's added me to the editorial team, which is all very exciting. So obviously you've done a lot of other interviews um, throughout the year. Other than this one, what was the most interesting interview that you've done? Interesting, I think... I really don't know. I'm trying to scrape together every interview I've done. I don't know. I think I enjoyed the one that I did with Cara. Uh, so for context, Cara's our flatmate. She's an international student and she was uh, caught on her flat just before lockdown. And we were actually watching Boris announce it on the telly one night, uh, sat together. And when he talked about unnecessary travel being banned, it was kind of that moment where we all kind of looked at each other and then looked at Cara because... We weren't really too sure how she'd get home. And that night, I actually interviewed her about what it was like to be an international student caught in the pandemic. And I think that was really interesting. I think, Beth, you've already mentioned this a bit, like you sort of maybe took on a bit more than you perhaps had time for at the beginning. Um, As many first years do with many societies, do you sometimes find it difficult to balance your uni work and social life? So, for example, going out, any of the societies, just seeing friends in general, with your commitment to student media? Uh, Yes. I mean... I'm quite an avid believer that if I've got three nights in a week that I'll be going out, I'll be working the rest. I was also taking on way too much extra stuff as well as my course. I mean, I'm still here and I think it was all right in the end. I think maybe like you just you've just got to take on loads in first year so you've done it all and you can say you've done it. And that's half the fun. But yeah, I'll, I wouldn't give up any of it. Well, I think my answer is a bit different because I'm not necessarily the conventional student in that I don't like going out. Clubs stress me out. Crowds stress me out. So I don't really have the social life aspect that like gets in the way for most people. That being said, no matter how many stuff you have, you're always going to struggle to handle everything just because priorities are different. I mean, I'm here and I... I now lead a team. I am still doing things. Yesterday I made pancakes on live radio, which I don't believe has been done here before. So I can say I set a record yesterday. We're always just doing something. That's so cool that they made pancakes. Is that on like remote broadcasting for Bailrig? Yeah. So that kind of leads me quite nicely into the next question. How have you found engaging in student media throughout lockdown? Um, 
I've mostly just been trying to keep things as normal as possible, so I've started my shows back up. But um, it's just a messy time, and I don't think there really is a right thing to do. I'm just trying. I got into podcasting, um, but I think it's a fair enough venture when we're mainly interviewing people on Zoom. Easy enough to record the audio and podcast that. So, yeah, that's the main thing that I've been doing bailwig-wise in lockdown. Otherwise, I mean, articles and stuff, I mean, that's fair enough to do from lockdown. Easier, in fact, because I don't have, well, I don't have our flatmates <laughs> around making noise um, and Sugar House existing. <laughs> so, yeah, I suppose I'm getting more work done. Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey has been a barrier. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I got into Downton Abbey and it's it's too late now. <laughs> You're stuck. You have to finish it now. <laughs> really am. I've, I've even brought it into a conversation about journalism. And finally, what would you say to both freshers or anyone looking to get involved in student media next year? I guess um, it's it seems very hard to get involved at the start. Like, you don't totally know what to do. And like, I only really figured out how to get involved with Bear Roof because it was a Facebook page. There's a difference between wanting to get involved and knowing how to and knowing who to talk to and all that stuff. And like arranging times to come to the station and stuff I'd just say like just try and push through the first like month or so of not knowing what's going on and then you'll be able to do basically whatever you want and it will be a cool time. I'd say get involved. It can feel fairly inaccessible to begin with but Facebook is fantastic and I know some people don't have Facebook for a number of reasons but I would wholeheartedly recommend that it's fantastic for societies and for work later in life so yeah even if you haven't got facebook get it at least for uni i mean it's fantastic especially for uh scam most of the group chats are on facebook so yeah I, I would absolutely recommend getting facebook to anyone who's looking to get into student media if only to scour the web for news i mean news coverage comes from social media especially for students because it's all the interesting stuff yeah uh get facebook chat to people it's not hard to find someone who's in student media even if you don't particularly like talking to people or students, the tutors all know where to go. It feels inaccessible to begin with, but it's really not. There's plenty of people around who are willing to help. And I'd absolutely, absolutely get involved because, I mean, you, you're going to find opportunities here that you're not going to find on your course. OK, thank you very much, guys. That was Beth and Quinn talking about their wins at the Student Media Awards. Next up, we're looking back at another event that occurred in June. When Founders, the traditional sports competition between Boland and Lonsdale, couldn't take place in its usual way due to Covid, students were able to participate in an alternate event, eFounders, a video game competition. Our head of sport, David, spoke to one of the organisers to find out more. Between the 19th and the 21st of June was the eFounders between Boland and Lonsdale, which was an eSports event with a bunch of different games. And with us, we have Elliot, who organised this event so hello Elliot. Hi. So um, what made you decide to create eFounders? Um, I think everyone was a bit sad about how coronavirus had kicked things like Roses and Founders and then the other you know college tournaments um, off of people's look forward to list and summer seemed to be quite empty in terms of anything that was competitive between colleges and now that it's right at the end of term as well figured people might have the free time to put towards something like that um it would give people something to watch you know even if it doesn't have anywhere near the impact of um 
a normal founders that people can go and spectate on the field with a drink with some friends it's still something isn't it to give you some college pride I mean everyone that I've spoken to from Boland is very happy that Boland won so it's just a nice thing to have had happen and it it made sure that loads of people got to play a game as well like in the end we probably had around 40 people playing some variety of game for their college which I think is a really good thing 40 people doing something's better than no one doing anything yep so are you happy with how it turned out uh yeah I'd say overall um obviously some things fell through it was a shame because you know we would have liked to get a bigger team for certain events um one that broke my heart a little bit was Overwatch because that's my favorite game that's the game that I play in my free time um and I follow the esports scene for it and everything and so I was so excited to be able to um like get two teams together and commentate them and then we only got like two signups so we had to do 1v1s and it was still fun to commentate them but I would have loved to have a 6v6 go on with you know proper rules and imagine for a second that I'm some caster in the Overwatch league and it was a shame that our events like uh, dominoes and darts didn't get to go ahead because they all fell apart at the last minute really but the games were very solid and I'm I'm really glad that all the games went ahead I'm glad that I've got highlights from all the games I'm going to try and put together next time I just suggest a bit more planning go into a lot of stuff that's what I'd say so what were the scores so um, in smash it went three to nil to Boland in Overwatch, it was 3-0 to, to Boland. Um, Mario Kart, 3-0 to, to Boland. FIFA, 4-1 to one for Boland, which was very impressive because it was two Boland guys doing a rotation against seven Lonsdale guys. So the fact that Boland walked away with it was really impressive. Um, the debate was forfeit because Boland hadn't got a team together. Counter-Strike Go went 2-0 to, to Boland. Uh, League of Legends was 2-0 to, to Boland. Chess was forfeit. Quiz, 2 to Boland. Uh, Rocket League, 3-2 to Boland. That one was a lot closer. And then Darts was cancelled, Dominoes was cancelled, and Warzone uh, went 2-0 to Boland. And overall, based on the point allocation of the different games, that ended up being um, 34 to Boland and I think 12 to Lonsdale. All right. um, Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. That was David speaking to Elliot, who organised eFounders. We're now coming towards the end of this podcast and our final interview is from outside of the university itself and in the local area. Back in July, a Preston-based singer, Georgia Tui, released her debut single, Sunday Bliss. I spoke to Georgia to find out more about her song, as well as her years prior to this working as a songwriter for some of the biggest names around. It's great to meet you, Georgia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Have you been up to anything interesting over lockdown? I've done quite a lot, to be fair. It's been a weird sad time but also quite a good time for creativity and just getting things done that I probably wouldn't have had time to do like music wise and other things which is really cool so it's just kind of been that really trying to keep busy trying to creative which seems to have gone quite well. You talked about doing a bit of work on your music and obviously that's what we're here to talk about today So what inspired you to get into singing and songwriting in the first place, if you can think back to kind of where it all began? Yeah, gosh. So it was a long time ago, (laughs) many years ago. I mean, my parents have always loved music, always 
had the radio on, always had like finals on, um, really different styles over our time growing up from like Nat King Cole to Northern Soul, Aretha Franklin, um, Glanad, who were like an Irish folk band. So it was always kind of around. And then I guess I was probably about 12 or 13. I would just sit in my room and start writing songs. Um, And I always just kind of felt, oh, I think one day that I might have a use for all these random, probably really bad songs that I'm writing. I just I just had a sense that I might do something with them. And then it just kind of stemmed from there, to be honest. Um, I did a lot of musical theatre. So whilst that wasn't really directly related to the music industry, it still was very obviously performance based, working on that aspect, you know, like live performance. So, yeah, it was quite a while ago. Well, um, obviously, um, you have found a use for a lot of those songs by the looks of it. <laughs> so you've been working as a songwriter for quite a while, I believe. How long have you been working as a songwriter? So I guess working officially, kind of, I wouldn't count my days in my in my room as actual work. But, it, you know, when you're starting out from literally the bottom, all that kind of stuff that you do on your own really does help. Um, but I guess, like, professionally... It's probably been about maybe about five to six years um, across the board, I think. It's a strange one because I think with songwriting, it's, it's quite difficult to sort of get into, even though you're writing stuff all the time, you're at home and you're working on projects and hopefully you're collaborating with other people um, that you know. But to kind of get your foot in the door, of the actual music industry as a songwriter, even as a singer, it, it's quite hard to know where to start with that, really. So you spend a lot of time trying to figure that out, I guess. So, yeah, I reckon it's been about five, six years for other artists, like, properly. It said on your website that you've worked in the past with huge names like Kaiser Chiefs and Flory. What was this like working for these sort of really well-known, like, names that have been around for quite a while? Yeah, I mean, that it was an amazing experience. Um, I worked for the record label that dealt with all of those artists. And it's just a strange experience. It's brilliant because, you know, you're meeting these people. And even if you're just making them like a cup of tea, you want it to be the best cup of tea that you have ever made in your life. So it's all just a kind of strange but brilliant experience. You even learn about how to just how to sort of be in a session with somebody you know should I be sat down should I stay stood up what should I what questions should I ask them what should I be doing all of these kind of things so working with those people felt at first a bit strange because you've seen them on telly or wherever and then you see them in real life and they're just polite lovely people and you it just kind of makes you realize oh they're just humans like like everyone else um and then that kind of makes it a really normal situation and then you just sort of crack on but it was great it was a great experience to be able to like I say even make tea for those kinds of people or whatever it is that you're that you're doing yeah I think I'd be the same I'd be like this has to be the best cup of tea ever like yeah it sounds so So much so that I made it probably it was the worst tea because I was so worried about like the (laughs) amount of sugar and all that sort of stuff I mean, it's, it sounds like a lot of effort was put into it, so I'm sure it was great. I mean, I hope so. I can only hope that it was a good, a good brew. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So now obviously you're you're starting to release your own music. When was it that you decided that you wanted to sort of release your own music? And was there any like particular inspiration behind it when you thought, now I want to do this? Yeah, I think so. Years ago, I was working with um, a group of people in Manchester, different musicians and then an, another group of people who were running their own like independent label in Manchester at the time. So we were experimenting with like sounds, different influences uh we were just going around gigging it was mainly like kind of jazz funk sort of stuff that we were doing then just like the pubs in manchester so that that back then was kind of like jazz funk stuff i've always really liked jazz soul r&b um so i was always really leaning towards that but i think when you're young you kind of got to experiment so i never really quite found my proper sound so that was quite a hard thing and then it sort of went more towards writing songs for other people which I just kind of fell into so I sort of forgot about my own music for a long time but I didn't really mind that it didn't really bother me and then after Xenomania I was focusing on other projects and then it just after like a year or two it just kind of dawned on me I was like why am I not releasing my own music it's it's so accessible for artists to do that these days so why why have I not done that I don't I don't know what have I been doing so it, it just kind of happened and then I ended up working with another friend of mine and then that kind of got the ball rolling again with like my own stuff um and it's weird how things kind of come back around and the girl who also called Georgia um who I've been working with on Sunday Bliss um she kind of showed me and really helped me learn and understand that when you're releasing music it, it doesn't have to be like, I don't know how to explain it. I, I guess how I would probably try to explain it is I thought that I wanted and I thought that I had to release like a big pop song. Um, that's the only way people would get to know me and and, and care. Um, I didn't realise that you didn't have to do that. You could, if you heard Sunday Bliss, it's literally just me and the piano. I didn't realise that to have your music on Spotify, that you were kind of allowed to do that. Um, even after working in the music industry for so long, I thought, oh, well, I've got to, it's got to be, it's got to be a certain way. It's got to be, I've got to have all these harmonies. I've got to have this beat. And um, Georgia just showed me that I didn't need to do that. So that's how Sunday Bliss kind of came about. And I guess the sort of genre and feel for that is, I would say probably like neo obviously it's acoustic but like neo soul slash jazz a little bit so you talk like how about how it's like sort of a bit more like sort of stripped back um it's been described as like a stripped back and raw song so what made you go for that style of music for this song how do you think it came about when you were writing the song that you thought this is a really good style for this song so originally at the very beginning of the process it was um it, it did have like a really poppy, loads of harmonies. Uh, it was completely different. The lyrics were different. There were elements. I think the chorus was, or has always been the same since the beginning of the process. But something just didn't sit quite right from the start when I had this one track mind, which was really ridiculous that it had to be this uh, way. So it just didn't feel quite right to me. So I took it to Georgia and I said, look, this is what I think I want to achieve um this is what I, I who I think I am as an artist so what should I do kind of thing and then that's how we arrived at well okay maybe we should change the lyrics is what are you trying to say 
Um, so we drilled into verses, um, drilled into the chorus, and then um, it just kind of overnight became this completely different song. And then I was like, oh, okay, this is what it's about. It's not a pop song. Um, I don't know why I wanted it to be a pop song. I'm not really a pop singer. Um, and then we played around on the piano just to find the chords, but then it sounded really cool just the piano. And it was just like a light bulb moment where we were like, let's just keep it as, as that, as a acoustic soul track. Um, and I, I think it, it worked. So, yeah. So I guess you've, you've kind of already answered this, but like, what was the meaning when you change the lyrics and stuff what was that sort of new meaning behind the song for people that haven't heard it yet yeah sure so the original meaning was more of um you know I'm I'm stuck in this small town I want to get out I'm sick of doing the same old mundane thing and I quite liked that sort of message but it was very kind of broad we the lyrics weren't really focused on anything particular they weren't really telling like much of a story so um, now with the changes and obviously it's released um, it's basically about Sunday so like for me Sunday bliss is walking in the park with your dog with your partner yourself whoever it is um, eating loads of food Sunday roast you know films all that sort of stuff um, and the lyrics became more about the person so m- more detailed about the person that you're with and what you're doing so it talks about like scraping your heels as you walk in the sun so it was just about finding more of the detail in the lyrics and now I'm literally have gone around the houses with this answer sorry about that but um now the song is about um just about the small kind of pleasures that you find in in your favorite day of the week I think we've talked a bit about genre and stuff as well before um is there any particular genre now that you've sort of realised that maybe like you don't need to do a poppy song? Do you think like you'd kind of like to branch out and do different genres or do you think there's like a particular genre that you'd still like to stick to? That's a really good question, actually. Um, I think for other art, if I'm writing for other artists, I would love the opportunity to work with people who are really different across the board and write songs for totally different artists. I think that's really fun. And I guess that's going to help you become a better, obviously, a better songwriter and probably a better artist in yourself. Um, for me, I think I think it's important for me to write things that I would want to listen to because if I'm not doing that for myself, obviously, for another artist, you 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 have to get their head. But if you're writing for yourself, I feel like it's important for me to try and create something I would want to hit. Because if I'm not going to like it, how could I expect anybody else to like it? So, uh, yeah, I think it would be important to me to have elements at least of like soul, jazz, funky stuff. Um, people like Tom Mish um, and Jacob Collier, I, th- I think their music is really cool um, and they have elements of all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think anyway, for maybe the next few songs, definitely keep similar elements jazz soul vibe sounds really good just moving on slightly on your instagram you said that you hope your single might provide a bit of light amidst all the tragic events going on right now obviously um covid19 has been a part of all of our lives for a while now and for people who might not be aware how do you think covid might have affected the music industry oh gosh um i mean 
So I don't I don't know if uh, you've seen the big chunk of funding that's just given to the arts, um, music venues, theatres, etc., which is amazing because in the recent weeks it's been like people ever going to be able to go back to the theatre again? How are singers going to do what they do? It's it was horrible, but thankfully there is funding there now. So venues and and people in the creative industries hopefully will be able to have some kind of normality when it comes to live shows and stuff but there's still other news like um there's a couple of venues in Manchester I think that have shut for good um and I just think that's so sad and I reckon unfortunately that there's probably going to be a few more venues that might have to shut whilst the funding is is in place which is great but realistically I think a lot of places have been hit hard um and probably won't be able to stand for much longer um and that's happened to so many people so many musicians can't go out and do what they do every every night and then money um it's really sad it's really sad but at the same time there is so much going on online a lot of people have been doing gigs on instagram and on zoom and all sorts of different stuff online which is amazing um but it's just you know those kind of venues that have helped people's careers blossom people want to go to these venues to see their favorite artists and or, you know go to the theater and watch their favorite show so many people are out of work it's not just the performers it's you know the lighting engineers the sound guy the people that work on the bar and i just hope that it can be turned around soon um and loads of other venues aren't going to have to face the same kind of end even for people who aren't necessarily like avid music lovers or they don't go out to see stuff when like it's on the news and it's saying but listen it's not just about us as musicians it's about everybody else that works behind the scenes that are losing their jobs and it's so it just affects so many people and I think people don't don't always realize that so yeah it's it's tough it is tough but there are positive going on as well it's just it's just um yeah I just hope that a lot of music venues and, and live um, venues can stay afloat yeah well moving on to a little bit more of a lighter tone again um what are you working on at the moment um so I'm still kind of still plugging away with Sunday Bliss um doing a little bit of like marketing or whatever is the kind of proper term promo or whatever um yeah, still still working on um, like the aftermath of Sunday Bliss, just trying to get it out there and talk about it, get people to hear it and get some feedback, whether that's great or not great, um, just for improvements. Um, and also a second uh, single, which will be coming out soon-ish. Um, so on on the case with that, so that's exciting. That'll be that'll be nice to have something else. Um, and also working on how to kind of create content in lockdown um so it's been actually really quite good because there's so many uh, artists who have obviously had to create different kinds of content it's really cool to see what they've been doing and it kind of inspires me and I'm sure it inspires loads of other people to think oh, okay well maybe I can do like a live gig in my room and that's fine no one's going to judge me because we're all at home um so yeah I've been trying to just figure out different ways to create content as 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 they say um so yeah 
new song uh, on the way so watch this space well thank you so much for coming on today and talking about your song thank you that was georgia Tui talking about her debut single sunday bliss which you can listen to by clicking the link in the description thank you so much for listening and i hope you have a lovely rest of the summer